Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Chapman, along with Artemis, bro. We're coming to you this week with episode 124. One, two, four. Artie. Artie, how are we doing, my friend? Oh, man, I've been better. I've been better. Uh, Twitter has really uh, entertained me the last few hours, <laughs> to say the least. But um, I'm good, though, man. I'm good. I can't complain. I'm excited to be uh, recording episode 124, which is going to break, break down this Cincy game, get ready for this Houston game, and a whole bunch in between. So let's get into it. Yeah, for sure, Artie. Um, number 24. Do you have a number 24 for me? There's only one 24. There's only one. And to me, it's better than, than 23. And that's Kobe, Bean, Mamba, Bryant, the only 24 that has ever existed that that matters, to be honest with you. Did, out of, did, out of we, did we ever confirm that his middle name is Bean? His middle name's not Bean. It's not it's not Bean. We did we look this up though, didn't we? I don't I don't think we looked it up. It can't be. I don't think it is Bean. I forget where he got the Bean nickname from. But Kobe Bean Brian. His middle name is Bean. It is Bean. Are you serious? His middle name is Bean. I did not know his middle name was actually Bean. That just makes it better though. Kobe Bean. Bryant, the Mamba. Some some trivia for you, Artie. Where does that name come from, that nickname come from? What, Mamba? No, no, Bean. I don't know. Truthfully, I don't know. Educate me. It comes from his dad's nickname, Jelly Bean. Wow. Okay. But, Artie, I've got somebody that has an even better nickname. Than, than Black Mamba and, and Bean? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Okay, go ahead. Tom Bussy Martin, he... uh. Who the hell is this? Hear me out, hear me <laughs> out, Artie. This, this is the guy that follows Kobe Bryant? He played for Winnipeg, Hartford, and uh, Minnesota, I believe, in the NHL. He played 92 games in his career, six-year career. Scored 12 goals, 11 assists. That's not a lot of games. No. Had over had over 250 penalty minutes. Um, only 75 shots on goal in his career. But his nickname, Artie, is Bussy. This is why. When he, <laughs> when he played in junior hockey back in the in the late 70s. Uh-huh. Early '80s, I believe. Tom Tom Martin was once traded for a bus, and he got the nickname Bussy. It was a one for one deal. His <laughs> team traded true. him. This is not true. He was traded for a bus. He was traded for a bus. The, team, the team's bus broke down, and so they reached out to another team and was like, "Hey." Can we can we use your bus? We we need to get to our, our away game. And the team was like, "Yeah, you can just have the bus, but we want this guy on our team. So we'll give you the bus, but we want him back." So <laughs> he was traded for a bus. Tom Bussy Martin was once traded for a bus. Honestly, Artie, I don't think there's ever been anybody else traded for a bus other than Tom Martin in any sport. 
you know how pissed off I'd be if somebody, <laughs> if somebody had the audacity to come up to me and say I just got traded for a fucking bus? <laughs> Tom Bussy Martin. Look it up. Uh, and funny enough, I got that story. I believe, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, my podcast, Spin Chicklets podcast, it's a Barstool podcast about hockey, they had Eddie Shack on. If you think back to last week, my number 23, Eddie Shack. So you see the timeline I'm on. It's, 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 it's time. I got you. I got this you. I got this you. is podcastception here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's my number 24. I mean, so there's some other other decent honorable mentions outside of Kobe. I mean, King Griffey Jr. War number 24. Yes, that's a good one. That Barry Bonds one. wore 24 for a little bit when he was with the Pirates mm-hmm. before switching to 25, which he will not be my 25 next week. I guarantee that he will not be my 25. <laughs> um, but yeah, Artie, Tom Bussy Martin, number 24. And that that's what this whole thing was started on. This whole number thing, it's not supposed to be the best number person to wear that number. It's supposed to be the weirdest person to wear okay. that number. And uh, You know, I was just thinking, I, I do have some more like crazy off the wall athletes I'm going to start utilizing. Yeah, and, like. But 24 to me, I mean, that's, that's, that's. I mean, I there, there's one 24. You're right. Yeah. There's one 24. And that's Tom Martin. <laughs> Bussy. Bussy. That's, uh. As the kids would say, that's bussin'. Um, ha, get it. Jesus. Jesus. Um, what wasn't bussin', Artie, was Friday night's game against Cincinnati. No. Not even a little bit. Look, there, there was a lot, to, a lot of good that came from that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Pirates fought back. They played their hearts out. They, they looked like a team that should have won that game. And once again, what's the story been all season? But yep. a couple plays here and there that kill you. Look at the Navy game. Look at the NC State game. Look at the Tulane game. In yep. this game, those those misses, those missed plays were compounded by the fact that there was some terrible officiating going on in that game. And once you have both of those things going against you, you're not going to win. You can't be missing field goals. You miss a field goal, and that's not that's not on Conrad. No. That's not, that's not on Conrad. That's, that's, that's on the holder. That's on the holder. Look, we had John Young on back after after week one as we were preview, previewing week two to talk about it. And I, I, was, I was talking to some more guys, some more kickers, after after the game, I was like, "Look, like I get it, I get laces out. That's a thing, but why is it a thing?" And I w- somebody actually talked to me about the science of it. How when your foot hits those laces, it's like it's like throwing a knuckleball. Mm-hmm. You have no idea, no control over where it's going, especially from forty five yards out, which this kick was. I mean, Andrew Conrad hit a, hit hit a season or his career long. 47-yard field goal right. earlier in the game. And that was impressive. I didn't yeah. think he was going to make that, Jared. I really didn't. I, I didn't have faith. But in from what I've heard is not only is he accurate, but he does have some pretty decent length on his kicks. And that kick, that would have probably been good from probably 52. Yeah. I mean, that, that, was, a, that was a good kick. 
It was right down the middle through the uprights. Boom. Pirates take a five, nothing lead. Um, but let's talk about the good first, Artie. The offense, once again, offense was good. Um, the, the skill guys on offense were good. Mm-hmm. Whole nailers also didn't get sacked. I think he got sacked once or twice, um, against a tough defensive line. Look, right. we've talked about it a lot this year. ECU has played against some of the top defensive lines in the country this year. And whole nailers hasn't gotten sacked nowhere near as much as he got sacked last year. Part of that's maturation of, of the quarterback. Part of it is was, size and skill of the offensive line. You got to give the old line some love on some some love here, Jared. That that old line has been atrocious the last few years. They've gotten tremendously better this season. Tremendously better. I agree. Um, Aylers was twenty four of forty six for two hundred and eighty yards. Not his best completion percentage. Um, just over, just over fifty percent. Threw for two hundred and eighty yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. He hasn't thrown a ECU. Knock on wood, ECU hasn't turned the ball over since the two-lane game, Marty. Yes, quietly. Quietly not turning the ball over. I mean, that's that's impressive to me. Um, Keen Mitchell, 112 yards on 16 carries. And then C.J. Johnson, uh, 123 yards on seven catches, including a 72-yard touchdown reception. That really, I mean, got the Pirates back in the ball game. I mean, you gave up, what, 20? It was like 20 unanswered points or something like that 21 unanswered points yeah and cj johnson that 72 yard touchdown gets the pirates back to within two scores and it's like okay we're, we're back in this thing um and then winstead eight receptions for 58 yards he's closing in on on a thousand yards receiving the offense all in all played well i mean they 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 played better than Cincinnati. I mean, they they had yeah. 454 total yards to Cincinnati's 310. They ran 79 plays to Cincinnati's 57. They controlled the ball for 37 minutes to Cincinnati's 23 minutes. I mean, we we played better offense to Cincinnati. We yeah. just did. And I mean, the defense played well enough to win the game. Yes. Now you may be saying, well. How when they how, how how did the offense play better and the defense play better, but you still lose the game? Outside of the special the kicking, you have a you have a kick return return for a touchdown where there should have been a block in the back called on that on that, but there wasn't. Like I don't know how you don't call a, a penalty on, on at least two of those guys on that play. And that goes to the time of possession as well. That gave ECU the ball right back. Yeah, I mean, to me, you boiled this loss down. And aside from the atrocious, you know, ref, ref, referee uh, play on on Friday night, you boiled this down in three plays: that kickoff return, that fifty-five yard pass play, that seventy-six yard pass play. Those are the three explosive plays that led to three touchdowns for Cincinnati. The rest of their scores are two or two field goals. Yep, two field goals. They score one field goal in the second half. Three points. They had three points in the second half. That's yep. it. That is it. So you boil it down to three explosive plays. That was the difference in the game for Cincinnati. That's really it. Our defense played well enough to win. Our offense played well enough to win. We didn't capitalize on some things where we should have. But when you really look at that game and say, why did EC lose? It was three plays. Yep. Three plays cost EC that game. And they should have walked out of there. And I'm so freaking tired of saying this, Artie. This team 
could very well be nine and one. We we sound like another love song. Same old shit. Nine and one. Could you imagine if EC was nine and one on the season with their only loss being to Tulane, a game in which they could have won as well? EC would be right. We'd be a top 20 team. If EC was nine and one, 10 and 0 with the schedule they've played this year, they'd be a top 20 football team. They'd be a, they'd probably be a top, pushing top 10. I, they they can very well be 14, 15 in the country. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's those mistakes that ECU has made that has been so disheartening at times this year. It's like, okay, we put ourselves behind the eight ball in almost every game that every, every close game we put ourselves behind the eight ball. And the games that we've the other games we've blown out teams. Yeah. And I mean BYU, we put ourselves behind the eight ball with some lackluster defense. On this game, special teams, once again, uh NC State special teams. Navy poor offense. It it it's and then Tulane, you had some bad penalties. And those have cost you a chance at being nine and one, playing for a conference championship title. Which, if EC was nine and one right now, they'd be playing for the conference championship. Guess what? In Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, right. they they would they will be hosting a, a conference championship. And it, it's it's sad to say, but I, I don't. I mean, th- th- if there was going to be a year, I, I felt like this was the year. Um, now, I mean, next year, there's a lot to look forward to next year. And we still got two games left in this year already, but it, it sucks that we've pissed down our leg this many times and we're in the position we're in. It's, it's crazy because I, I, I call it eight and four at the beginning of the season. We can still very much go eight and four. I think we, I, I think we get to, eight and, and I think we will. I think Houston and Temple are, are very winnable games. I think we finished eight and four, but it almost feels like, damn, we 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 really should not be eight and four. We should probably have eight. nine, ten, eleven wins on this season. If you look at how ECU and, played, this and NC season, State fans after week one already were laughing me off out of the building. I mean, you 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 look at you look at outside that Tulane loss. You look at the other three losses that we've had. It's like, damn, we really should have won those football games. Already, we really should have. Already, they've ECU's lost those games by a combined seven points. Six seven points. points. Six points. Wow. Three to Navy. Two to Cincinnati. One to NC State. Yep. Yep. Six points. So I mean, and 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 I'm just as tired as coming on here and, and sounding like a broken record as much as you because at some point you just got to find a way to win these games. And they're, they're, we don't, you know, we can we can blame the referees all we want, and they and they 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 were they shit. deserve it. They, they were shit it. on on Friday night. Um, but I mean, we did have our opportunities in the second. I mean, we held them three points. We held we held them three points in the second half. Like, you got to you got to find a way to win that football game. You really do. Um, so I mean, it's not like we didn't have opportunities. It's not like we 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 couldn't win that game, even with the referees being in their back pocket. Um, so we just have to find ways to win these games. You, you got to find ways to win these ball games. You just do. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, last lastly, I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. We we gave up those explosive plays. 
you already mentioned that. Um, but it seems like we've, A, had slow starts on offense, but then also some of the play calling is still an issue. And that's, I mean, Donnie Kirkpatrick has to open up the playbook against a team like Cincinnati. You gotta. There's got to be a play somewhere. He's, he's he's still play calling not to lose. You need to play call to win. I don't want what, him play calling what, not to lose. Play call to win we, the game. Why are we throwing a three yard out route on third and third and nine? Why? <laughs> My goodness, man. Play play to win. Call. Get play to the sticks. To win the game. Throw the ball past the sticks, and then I won't be mad. If you don't get it, you don't get it, but throw the ball past the sticks because the way that the defenses were playing for the most part, if you throw it six yards short of the first down marker, you're not getting first down. Right. I mean, yards after contact is a thing, but one, when you got teams that are swarming the ball like Cincinnati can, it's going to be a, a long day to get that first down. you got to almost get explosive plays, a couple explosive plays on each drive. You need yeah. to – I mean – and ECU hasn't been getting that all year. And I, I, it's not that ECU doesn't have the skill to do it. They do. C.J. Johnson, Isaiah Winstead, Jalen Johnson, Josiah Hatfield, Keaton Mitchell, Marlon Gunn, Rajay when he was in, in, in the lineup, Cole Nailers, they can all do it. So open the playbook, Donnie. I'm asking you on senior night this, this week, open the playbook. Do it. Um, and then the ugly, we already, we've talked enough about it. Special teams. Um, the missed field goal laces we're in. How how difficult is it to make sure that the laces are out on a on a kick? I mean, Jared, that's 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 10 points right there just from our special teams. If 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 special teams doesn't give away those 10 points, it is a 28 to 20 win for East Carolina. Yep, twenty-eight twenty for East Carolina. That's 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 just special teams <laughs> not giving up that touchdown and making sure the laces are not and facing the kicker. I, I'll, I'll give I'll give Larson credit. That was some those punts that he had. He had a fifty-one yard punt. That was one of the best punts I've seen him have all year. Probably the best punt I've seen him have all year. He he pinned Cincy back several times throughout the course of the game, and. Yeah, I mean, but but doing half your job still isn't doing your job. I agree. So, like, can't you can't you find some like? I don't care. Put Alex Flynn out there. Put your third string quarterback out there, and let him hold. I mean, he knows what to do with the ball. He's probably held at some point in his career. Most quarterbacks have. I'm not saying put whole nailers or Mason Garcia in there, but put Alex Flynn in there. Put David Chepo in there. Hell, call up Artie and put him in there. I can hold. <laughs> like I can hold. Catch, spin. I I don't understand. I can promise you the laces wouldn't be facing and, the kicker. I can promise you that. And still on the depth chart this week. Luke Larson is the holder. And I get it. 
it's like changing a battery mate, but at some point, at some point, you've got to make a change. And you know, and I don't, I don't want to sit on here and bash Luke Larson. And, and, and he's a friend of the podcast, yeah, right? He's he's been on this show. He's been on he's been on this podcast. Very nice guy. Very personable. But you you you, you I'm I, I'm agreeing with you. You got to make a change. At least at least in practice, you have to be doing something in practice to see something. At least at least make him feel uncomfortable. It's like okay, I gotta I gotta I gotta get my shit together so I can keep my job. You know, at least make Luke Larson uncomfortable. He can still he knows He's gotta he's gotta do his job. Let him. Let him focus on punting, but find somebody else. He probably doesn't care to hold. Find somebody else to hold the ball. Find anybody. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, honestly, Andrew Conrad might have a better chance at grabbing the ball, setting it down on a on a tee, and kicking him kicking it himself at this point. Yeah. So, and then Artie, the elephant in the room. The officiating. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, on, on that, what was it, a seventy-six yard pass play? Yeah, that Cincinnati had. Chance Bates got blocked in the back twice on the same play. No flag. Uh, C.J. Johnson got molested on third down. Flag was thrown. They had a conference. Picked up the flag. There's a. At least one block in the back, and probably a couple holds on the kick return. Mm-hmm. We talk about it every week. It seems like nobody can, nobody gets called for holding against ECU. Everybody can, you can just hold whoever you want to. But hey, what do I know? What do I know? I mean, look, I, there, there's got to be something. Done. There's something's got to be done. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, and I know everybody. Everybody has plays or calls go against them. I get that, and I'm like I, I will be the first to admit. There's been times, and I've told Artie we've been at games, and I've been like, oh, we got a generous spot. Yep. Oh, we got away with a holding there. Yep. And I, I'll I'll be the first to admit. Yeah, ECU's gotten away with some calls. But it seems like, I mean, I, I look back to the Navy game. In the Navy game, they had, there was two times, you, you had the targeting call. That was terrible. And then there was two times, Hole Nailers gave himself up by sliding, and he was popped twice, no flag. One of which would have given them first and goal in overtime for a chance to win. They had to settle for a field goal. So, Mike Oresco, whoever you are, whoever is in charge at the at the conference offices that selects these officials, figure it out. Uh, I I would be remiss if I didn't say when I when I saw that tweet fired up the other day when you said update Mike Oresco is no longer a friend of the podcast. <laughs> oh, that killed me! I love that. I absolutely love that. That was hilarious. Yeah, I mean that that one got a that one got a lot of. I think that one got a lot of <laughs> a lot of reaction. Uh, yeah, it's. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to find that tweet. 
yeah, update. Mike Oresco is no longer a friend of the podcast. Um, yeah. So that's the ugly. And I mean, that 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 targeting call on 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 Keaton was just atrocious, in my opinion. But it is what it is. Nonetheless, we had opportunities to win that game, and you know, like same old, same old. We weren't able to get it done. So hopefully, you know, with the play calling, it's senior night. It's Houston. They're you know reeling a little. Open bit. it up. Open it up. You know, we're, let we're, it fly. We're, Hold we're, no look, prisoners. We are a, at, at this point. We're a football team with nothing to lose. We can't play for a conference championship. We're not going for a New Year's to a, to a New Year's Six Bowl, but we are going to a bowl game. Play for a better bowl. We're playing for a better bowl. We have nothing. To, we, we're playing with house money. Open it up. <laughs> just let, open it up, man. Like let's just let's go out there and try to and try to you know score as many points as possible. Let's 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 see what we can do with this offense with these guys that really aren't coming back next year. So, yeah. Um. All right. Well, already let's send it over to our interview. But first, let me tell you about Manscaped. Manscaped, the best in men's precision grooming. Uh, support for the Boneyard Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, has helped over 6 million men. That's or 7 million men. Sorry, I read that wrong. Has helped seven over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer that we have only on the Boneyard Podcast. You're not going to get it from the other guys, y'all. You're only going to get it from us. 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Already, we're going worldwide uh, with promo code BONEYARD20 at manscaped.com. Already, if my math's correct, that's 14 million balls. Yep, 14 million balls. Join, join now. Go to manscaped.com. Get your performance package, the bundle. It's gonna, I mean, it's gonna protect you from getting nicked up down there. You don't, you don't want to get nicked up down there in in the it's nether really regions. Not a good feeling. We want to protect the balls. All right, just like I've said it every every week. We've done this ad read. EC's been protecting the balls. You should protect your balls too. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code Boneyard 20 percent off. Plus free shipping worldwide at manscaped.com. Artie, here's our interview with Ted Party, the color analyst for the University of Houston Cougar football team. This week on the Boneyard Podcast, we're pleased to be joined by Ted Party. He he works for Learfield IMG. He he's the color analyst. For the University of Houston Cougars, wow, that's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> the University of Houston Cougars, Ted. Thank you for joining the Boneyard Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? Listen, couldn't be couldn't be better, man. Uh, just excited about a a good uh, potential game against East Carolina, baby. Let's go! Yeah. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, it's it's always a fun matchup to see uh, on the schedule. We always look forward to Houston, and um, I mean. There, there's some history here. Oh um, yeah, d- dating back to the to the early 2000s, 2010 era. Um, so, 
Ted, tell me, everybody was predicting Houston to go undefeated this year, looking coming into the season. <laughs> what has happened? Oh, my man. Where, where do I start? Where do I start? You know, um, the Cougars in, in, you know, I'm a homer. A little sort of asterisk there. Got to got to kind of preface it that way. But but I'll try to be as straightforward as possible. I mean, look, they had a tough non-conference schedule. Uh, and I and I can't underscore that enough. They played at UTSA for their first game, had a triple overtime win that was uh, a, a tough one. Um, but it was a win, but still they got beat up in that game. And, and I'll provide a little more context there in a bit. Then they backed that up, having to go up to Texas Tech, who was really on fire at the time. Texas Tech was playing good football. They they had uh, had a great quarterback at, at, and that was not injured at the time. And so uh, they go into two overtimes and they lose 30 to 33. And then they go home for their home opener, uh, September 17th against Kansas. And I know don't like don't start laughing, but a lot of people are like, oh, Kansas, come on, Kansas. Let me tell you something about Kansas back then. They probably got have one of the most explosive quarterbacks in the nation. He has now been hurt. He has been injured, obviously, but the Cougars got the best of the best from Kansas and uh, and and just, you know, got punched in the mouth. And and it was a it was our first home game of the season. And uh, and, and it was a just it was a tough one. Then you kind of roll through the rest of the games. You got Rice, Crosstown rival. Of course, they take care of business, but the game was too close. Thirty four. 27. Then you go to, you get Tulane, right? You think Tulane's a, a walk through the park, right? Typically, right? Not this Tulane team, not this year, right? And and uh, everybody knows Willie Fritz is a great football coach. Well, he's doing it this year at Tulane. They put it on Houston in another overtime loss. Houston loses 24-27. So I don't want to kind of go game by game, but you guys get the, under, the, the, the deal here. The Cougars playing these overtime games, people don't understand how much that takes out of your team. And with that, and you think about the fact that they are missing six starters on defense, you got a big, big problem on your hands. Yeah, I, I was just about to say, I mean, th this Houston team, it looks like defense. I mean, everybody knows that, that this offense is, is high-powered yeah. and can put up a lot yeah. of points. We saw it just two weeks ago against SME, that crazy SME. game. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, looking at it, UCF – or, sorry, Houston is allowing – uh, 40, 441 points or 441 yards per game. And I mean, uh, giving up 150 yards per game on the, on the ground is, is probably not going to help. Man, it's, it's hard. And, and, you know, Houston came into the season with really were too deep at D line. So they had a D line that was stacked. They had uh, coming in the, uh, the first week, they were leading the nation in sacks. This guy, Derek Parrish, uh, number zero was was just you know wrecking offensive lines, and then he gets hurt, and that's a game changer. And then you get another team member on the on that defensive line hurt, and then you get another one hurt, and then you you lose a cornerback, and then you lose two safeties. And you know, I, not making excuses, what I'm saying is that you know this is a team that has had to deal with adversity. They had a tough schedule to start the the season out, um, and then you know you kind of compound that with. Uh, you know, with with just the way football is played in this in this league, uh, offense is the name of the game, and you guys know it. You, you're, you've got a, one of the hottest quarterbacks uh, in the nation right now, and you guys have a hot team, 
And, uh, it, you know, it's all about putting points on the board. That SMU game was unbelievable. I've never – and I've been through some crazy games. I played SMU when I was in college. We beat them 95-28. to 28. We, we put a – we put a thousand yards of offense on them and almost scored a hundred points. Our head coach, my dad at the time said, no, we're not going to score. We took a knee on like the five yard line. So I've been through some crazy games. God. I've never seen in my life a team score seven times in a row on my team's defense. Seven count that buddy. I'm telling you, man. And, and look, Hats off to SMU. They had to answer the call because every time they scored, Houston scored. And, and it, it yeah. you know, it was like we were like, buckle up. You gonna whoever's going to get this thing last is going to win the game. Was was that the craziest game you've ever had to call? Uh, it was absolutely the craziest game I've ever called. Yeah. Artemis. I think I think you you know, you got to I've called some crazy games. I, you know, I've been look, I've been to East, I've been doing this 17 years. Uh the, the Case Keenum, Shane Carden, uh, mono oh, yeah. uh, mono uh, battles they had were epic. And and uh, I've respected the, the Pirates uh, my whole career. I've respected them much times because, uh, you know, going to play a conference championship there and getting punched in the mouth by ECU happens. I've seen it happen. So, uh, but yeah, that, that SMU game was, that was crazy, man. I mean, I, I, I thought, I kept thinking, okay, we're, we're going to get one stop. We're just all, all one stop's all we need, and and we couldn't get it. We just couldn't get it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Jeff, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead Artie. I, I kind of wanted to ask you about about Dana Hogerson a little bit. You guys, you guys, head coach. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys heading to the Big Twelve next year. Do you believe in Dana Hogerson's leadership, and do you believe he's the guy that can lead that Houston program into the Big Twelve going forward? I mean, the, the short answer is I do. I, I do. I I think you know. I think sometimes. People need to take a step back. Um, mm. They they need to. I think the coach is. Uh, you know, he he probably. It's like being a quarterback. Sometimes you get a little too much praise when something good goes happens, and sometimes you take too much heat when when the bad stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I what I would tell my my you know my brother in here in Houston is you know everybody just take a deep breath, okay? Everybody just relax, okay? Dana Holgerson has been in the Big Twelve. He took a team from the you know, he, he took a team from the, you know, took him into the, from the Big East, the Big 12. He's been through that experience before. Um, he, he was very successful when he was early at, um, at West Virginia. He coached, he was the, you know, in that crazy Car Shane Carden game uh, that I was talking about, Dana Holgerson was calling the plays for Houston. You know, and, uh, and so, you know, Dana, Dana's not a, he, he's a guy that we know and, and we know what he can do. And, and what he wants to do is he wants to build a sound offensive team. He wants to he doesn't want to have to score 63 points a game. He doesn't want to do that. And, and I, I respect that. I played linebacker. So what he's trying to make sure that you're not, you know, running 100 plays per game, you're not killing your defense when you're doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. You're protecting your defense. And that's his that's his mentality and philosophy. And I agree with it. Uh, it's hard to do it when, you know, you're beat up, to be totally honest with you. And, and so to get ready for the Big 12, what does this Cougar team need to do? They got to hit the portal. They got to do a really good job with Texas high school recruiting because in the state of Texas, uh, you, you got to be careful hitting the portal too hard and bringing in kids from California or kids from other places. The high school coaches don't like that. They don't like it at all because there's plenty of talent in Texas. And in, in Houston, all you got to do is jump in the car and drive for about 30 minutes and you'll hit probably 10 of the top schools in the nation with athletes across the board. So I think, I think it's a mix of the two things. I think that, um, Dana's just got to hang in there. He's got to get through the season, hang in there, get healthy in the off season. And, uh, you know, last year proved it. Uh, look, all right, 
last year the, the Cougars did a great job. He, he managed that team incredibly well. They were explosive when they needed to be explosive. They were competitive. Uh, they beat Auburn in the bowl game. And, uh, you know, people can say what they want about Auburn had a couple guys that sat out and all that. But, hey, man, listen, a win's a win. And uh, so we've seen he can do it. We just got to see it happen. Uh, you know, give him time to do it again. For sure. Now, I want to talk about this offense. I mean, Clayton Toon, he, he dude is the real deal. Um, I mean, yeah. he, he seems like he is quite possibly the, the most accurate passer in, in the conference. Um, what is it? How, how does this offense run through Clayton? So Clayton is, uh, man, he's a great, I, I like him so much. Just a great dude. Um, just an incredible all-around athlete. You know, I heard a story from his brother where he was a freshman in high school and went up and did a two-handed dunk and hung on the rim and fell down and broke both of his wrists, right? Like, who, mm. like you know, he's that kind of a, like, an unbelievable athlete. Um, if if uh, he's the guy that you're going to pick first, right? He, he, whether you're playing golf, whether you're playing football, whatever, you, you're picking Clayton Tune first because of his personality. He's that leader. He's the guy that lifts up everybody else who's around him. What a lot of folks don't know is the past two seasons, he has been, he had to deal with injuries. He pulled both hammies in a bad way both years. Two years ago, I think it was his left hamstring. He tried to gut it out and, and he just couldn't, he just couldn't finish the season. Uh, his right hamstring, he pulled it the next season. So this year is like the first year that we've gotten the healthy Clayton tune. Um, he could run the ball. He, he is a he is a dangerous runner, but he's a smart runner. He knows when to slide and get down. Um, but his 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 number one trait is his passing accuracy. And, you know, in that in that SMU game, you know, a game, uh, he, he put him over 70 percent or something like that, 73 percent, something like that in, in completions. I mean, look, I, I understand how that works. If you're a college quarterback throwing even 62, 65%, I'm happy. If you're up to 68%, I'm really happy. If you're over 70%, forget it. You know, that's almost an unrealistic ex expectation for college quarterback. But it's the reality of what we got. And he makes, he makes the, the, he, he's the, you know, he makes the whole offense tick. Yeah. You know, and, and and Ted, looking at this matchup, I mean, it looks like two great offenses just just on a collision course to, to oh, yeah. head to head against each other, almost as if an, an SMU Houston maybe part two. Uh, but what <laughs> are, what are some of the strengths of that Houston defense that they have that can maybe slow down an and an ECU offense and all the weapons that we have? I th I think the the best part of the the Cougar defense is really the front seven, and mm -hmm. and specifically, there's a couple guys on that defense you'd want to pay attention to. Uh, uh, Donovan Mooton is uh, the middle linebacker, number three. He is a guy that is, he's, he's incredibly intelligent, super smart guy, um, has a knack for reading offenses. And, and he's kind of like the, he's the QB of the defense, if you will. His D line in front of him, he's got a guy, number 10 named Dot Wonkwo. And, and you're going to want to keep an eye on Dot. He is, uh, is in Domica Wonkwo, but, uh, we got, we all call him Dot, but his, his, He's an unbelievable player. He could take on double teams like nothing. Uh, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit like Ed Oliver. But if you remember Ed Oliver back mm -hmm. in the day, he plays for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but but he's a little different than that. He's he's a power guy. He's like was an incredible uh, all state wrestler in high school. And uh, he's just like the, the anchor of that defense. 
those are the strengths. The weaknesses, unfortunately, for the Cougars, it's uh, it's just injuries. They they uh, had a right their right cornerback got injured in in this past week's game, and uh, so that doesn't help any. And and they've had injuries at defensive back and nickel as well. So I'm not sure. You know, the nickel back uh, Jace Rogers, he didn't play last week. Uh, he 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 told coach, hey, if you need me to return kicks or whatever, I I will you know I will tape it up and try to go. Coach held him out. Um, so hopefully we'll get Jace Rogers back this week. Number six, our nickel. And, uh, and you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the corners right now. That's that's a little bit of a question mark. Same thing with the safeties. They've got a lot of younger guys that are starting to play up there. Yeah. For sure. Now, I mean, keeping on, on this Houston defense, uh, Keaton Mitchell, we, we talked about him earlier in the podcast. I mean, he, he's probably one of the better, probably the best running back in the conference. I mean, how yeah. Houston's given up 149 yards on the ground per game. Yeah. How do you stop? How do you stop this guy? Well, it's it, as a defensive guy, I talk a lot about this in our broadcast. But you have to be so gap sound today. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't get away with with uh, guys freelancing and going two guys in a gap. Um, offenses are just too smart, and they're, everybody runs a little bit of the the way. You know, maybe it's a zone read, or they're trying to. You know, they're trying to do a multiple option play where you might be an RPO. You can run it. You can pass it. This requires you to play sound defense. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the triple option days. I played against a lot of triple option teams back when I was playing. And and that's what they drove into our, you know, into our heads. The coaches would be just like, guys, like every gap's got to be taken care of. When the Cougars break down, when they have a responsibility problem on the gap gap responsibility, that's when the trouble happens. That's why Tulane really hurt Houston because Tulane's a, you know, they're a triple option. They're a spread option team, but they're, they are a triple team through and through. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise they are true triple concept. And, and that's where, that's where it comes out is, is you can't, it is all you got to do is change the, from one gap over what your dive guy is doing. And that changes the responsibility of the defensive end, trying to get the quarterback or pitch man, Anyway, all that kind of stuff comes into play. I think that the offenses that do well against Houston, they have that gap scheme up front, and they're not afraid to to set the run up with the pass, right? So it I it, it kind of plays in really well with what East Carolina likes to do, from what I've seen this year and and um, and what what I've looked at. So uh, it, it it could be a, a barnstormer of a game. Yeah. And, and and I'll ask you this. I mean, what what are some of the things you believe Houston has to do as as a whole, as as a unit, um, to go into Dowdy, go into Greenville, um, and and come away with a win? Look, if you want to play well in Greenville, you've got to you got to keep the crowd out of the game. I mean, that's the first thing you got to think about. And and I, I've been impressed with the crowds that uh, you know the the student section and the boneyard and the in the end, you know, guys having a good time. Mm-hmm. You got to try to keep them out of the game. I think that the way you do that. Is is you know offensively put get into the rhythm as quickly as possible. Get into the rhythm because as long as you're responding back, uh, the one thing I'll say about SMU and this won't happen in Greenville, but SMU was it was the the stadium was empty by the fourth quarter. I don't know if they had another party to go to or what was going on in Dallas, but but there was something else that was more important than watching their team score the most points that they've ever scored in the history of the program. So I'm not quite sure what was going on there, but if you respond back. You respond back, you keep that crowd noise out of it, and you just you know get into a shootout if you have to. But I, you know, ECU is a is a you know I, I like them a lot. Like when Coach McNeil was there, it's a, it has an air raid flavor to it. Uh, it it's very much a, a pass a smart 
type of offense, and that opens up their running game. That's why they've got the best runner in the conference. Now, you, you talk about the fan base and, and the crowd at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, but something I like to ask, especially to somebody that is covering a team that's going going to the Big 12, moving up, so to say, um, what what is an outsider's perspective of East Carolina University, their athletic program there, and, and the, the university as a whole? Well, I, I'm an old guy, so I, I, I remember the, the old days. And, and you guys have a lot of history. I mean, ECU has a ton of history. People, people that are, you know, maybe not smart about football don't realize. Uh, and sometimes on the younger generation, it gets lost. But there's, there's a fantastic football history there. There have been so many great uh, football players that have played there, great coaches that have come through there. So, you know, people forget about – you know, the guy that was the hottest coach in college football last year is coaching out at USC, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley. I remember when Lincoln was the little coach over there with uh, with Coach McNeil. I, I love Ruffin McNeil, by the way. I'm, I, I still love Ruff, Coach McNeil. Great man. And and uh, uh, and, then, and then even Garrett Riley, Coach, coach Riley's little brother, who's the T, who's the offensive coordinator at TCU right now. Where That's where my son goes to school. He plays football there. So it's you know, it's there's history. And people should be proud of the history of the university and they should be proud of where they've been. And it's funny, I was talking, you know, it's funny, we were all Conference USA uh, foes back in the old days, right? And uh, before they did the renovation of the stadium and, and uh, you know, even before they put the Boneyard thing in there, like I, me- I remember way back, man, I remember the day. So, <laughs> so like, right, right. So anyways, I mean, the stadium's awesome. Like I said, the fans are great and, and uh, you know, um, so many great coaches have coached, you know, Skip Holtz. I mean, the whole thing, I'm telling you, like so many great coaches, so much history. That's to me important to embrace it and to get that, that sense of community, to bring the donors out, to find those guys that didn't go to school there, but have been successful businessmen and want to give back to their community. You do it by supporting your local university because those universities are critical for the success of that state, that area. They bring jobs to the area, but they also help the young men and women that go to school there. That's the thing that I think is so important, especially the public universities like University of Houston. You know, we we uh, you know, we're a blue collar school and, and I'm proud of that. I'm really proud of that because what, what the university does in this state is unique. You know, we're not trying to be Texas and we're not trying to be fancy like, you know, all these other guys. We stay in our lane, but we take care of our own. And I feel like ECU is kind of a brother of ours. They're similar in, in you know, where, what your role is in, in your state. You're not a baby blue school or a blue school. You guys are better than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you do better than that. Now, Ted, kind of on the, on the flip of that, you know, kind of talking about the Houston fan base. You know, Houston is a very big city, big metropolis, a lot to do. You guys got a baseball team that just won a World Series. Oh, um, yeah. Moving into the Big 12. Do you believe that Houston is going to be able to have those sellout crowds, get people, you know, engaged, get people showing up to these Big 12 type of matchups uh, in a, in a city like Houston? That's a fair fair question. You know, when when I was playing at Houston, we had a Heisman Trophy winner, Andre Ware, and and even when Andre was there, we still didn't sell out every football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of lots of sports options in Houston. Lots yeah. of uh, there's just a lot of stuff to do in Houston. Like if you're into the symphony, or you're into ballet, or you're into whatever, man, you got it all here. So we compete against all of that. What Houston fans do love is they mm-hmm. love a winner. They love a winner, a humble winner, right? And uh, and and you know that's. 
folks around the United States don't like the Astros very much, but we love the Astros. We love them because because you know why? Everybody hates them. That's why we right. love the Astros. Right. You know what I mean? And it's your team. You know, exactly. And and a million a million fans came downtown. Ah, watch it, watch it, <laughs> Atlanta. Uh, but you know, a million people who live in the Houston area came to downtown for that rally, man. Like, like, what does that say about what, what kind of sports fans there are in Houston? Yeah. So you just got to tap into that passion and you got to tap into that love that, you know, the Cougars, we've got history too, you know, and, and uh, going back before Andre Ware's time, when, when we played, uh, you know, they, the coach Bill Yeoman was the first uh, coach in the state of Texas to integrate his team and, and uh, you know, led the way as he went into the Southwest Conference. Very proud of that. Very proud of being a part of a university that, that that matters and that means something to us. So, so you know, as, as I look at the Big 12 selfishly, I'm like, finally, like we're back because I, I played in the Southwest Conference, man. I played against all those schools. Um, very excited for our team. Really excited for our fan base. And uh, and I think that we're going to sell out some games next year for sure, especially that uh, that Texas game. If I'm not sure if it's going to be home or away, they haven't shown the they haven't announced the schedule, but okay. but I think that one will be a good one. Oh yeah, awesome. Well, Ted, thank you for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. I'd I'd be remiss. You've been covering Houston for for 17 years now. You've traveled to Greenville multiple times. H- have you been to Sup Dogs? <laughs> So I'm not familiar with Sup Dogs. Okay. Okay. It, it, it's a it's a restaurant. Uh, I don't know when y'all are getting into town, but if you have a moment, try Go to get downtown. Go check okay. it out. Great. Friends of the podcast. Great establishment. And uh, we'll we'll talk. Maybe we'll get to talk to you a little bit at the game Saturday and, and figure out what you figure out what you ordered and, and relay it back to our to our fan base and our listeners. Um, but yeah. Ted, thank you for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. It's been it's been a pleasure. Um, and and best of luck to you and Houston after after Saturday uh, afternoon. You bet, you bet. Look, uh, the same can be said for me. Appreciate y'all having me on, and uh, uh, go uh, you know go easy on us now. You know you, we're, we're the visitors. You're supposed to be polite to your visitors in the South. Now, come on. We'll we'll be polite. It'll it'll be it'll be polite. I I, I rarely hear anything bad come from other than maybe some nc state fans come from <laughs> the the about visiting ecu i mean it, it seems like the fan base is always very welcoming um op- open tailgates to to visitor fans so uh if, oh, yeah. if there are houston fans listening that are coming to to greenville hey you'll, you'll have a good time i promise you awesome all right guys thanks so much Appreciate see you saturday right thanks ted Once again, that was our interview with Ted Party, the color analyst for the University of Houston Cougars. Artie, I mean, what an interview. We should we should have had him on last year. Uh yeah, that was good. That was really good. I, I, I enjoyed talking to Ted. Um, but Artie, ECU, we talked about it last week. ECU's bowl eligible. Yes, sir. We got six wins already on the season. Hoping to get seven this weekend and hopefully eight by the end of the year. Uh, let's talk about some of these bowl projections and, and take our picks for, uh, for this week's bowl projections. Uh, action sports has us in the Fenway bowl versus Louisville. 
Then Athlon Sports has us in the Military Bowl versus Louisville. Oh, two against Louisville. Okay. Uh, CBS Sports has us in the Birmingham Bowl versus Marshall. I want no part of that. <laughs> Why not, Jerry? <laughs> nobody, uh, nobody wants to go to Birmingham and then play I mean, Marshall. That's, that's, that's one that I could actually make, though. I mean, you know, Birmingham is, that's what, seven hours? I was just there a few months ago. Yeah, you can miss me with that. And, and you know, I, I'll tell you what, UAB actually has a nice stadium, though. That stadium in Birmingham that they have. Is that where they play? Is yeah. That, I, don't, I don't know. It's I, Alabama, Birmingham, man. I, I, from what I've heard, the, the last time we played in the Birmingham Bowl against Florida, um, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a good experience for most fans. Not really? that there's anything wrong with Birmingham. It's just it didn't feel like a bowl game experience. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. Well, um, Birmingham's a lot bigger of a city than I thought. So, yeah. So then ESPN Bonagira has us in the Military Bowl versus Wake. I like that one. I do like that one. I do like that one. And then Schleyback, Schalbeck, whatever. Um, has us in the Myrtle Beach Bowl versus Middle Tennessee State. Once again, I don't want to be in the Myrtle Beach Bowl unless we're playing like a decent other group of five team. I I, I care nothing for Middle Tennessee State. Don't want to see. Yeah. That. Well, then Sporting News has us in the Frisco Bowl versus Middle Tennessee State. Uh, USA Today has us in the Gasparilla Bowl versus Miami. The U. Yeah, give me that. And then uh, Yahoo Sports has us in the Military Bowl versus Wake, as well. That's the one I want. Out out of the ones that they that are listed, I want ECU versus Wake in the Military Bowl. That's something both fan bases, which we know there's not much of a fan base for Wake. Wake Forest has no fan base. Um, Carolina took over their stadium this past weekend. I mean, everybody takes it. We're going to take over that stadium in 2027. I live five minutes from that stadium. That's it's insane, Jared. I mean, Wake Forest could be the number one team in the country. Nobody would show up. It's. Yeah, it, it's brutal. How are they a power five team? Um, but I, I mean, there's there's family ties. Artie, did you know this? I was once the ball boy and guy that like the boy that wiped the sweat off the floor for Wake Forest. Yes, you have told me the story on several occasions. Yes, back in the back in the Chris Paul era. That, I, that's what I was doing. Um, family had season tickets to Wake Forest basketball. Uh, I mean, look, growing up here in Winston Salem, Wake. Holds a special place in my heart. Um, nobody actually cares about them, but I, I would I would love to watch us play weight. I'll, I'll tell you what, though, not so fast. I'll give me that Gasparilla Bowl against Miami, though. I mean, that's that's the you. That's and I know they suck right now. I know they're a poverty poverty program right now, but I don't care. If we can play a bowl game against Miami and beat Miami in a bowl game, give me that all day long. Give me that all day long. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I just don't like the location as much as the Military Bowl. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I, I, I mean, the Military Bowl, I know for a fact if we played in the Military Bowl versus Wake that I know I, I have a feeling my uncle would go. You know, Nook. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling he would. he's a Wake fan. His daughter also went to ECU. I went to ECU, obviously cover ECU. I, I feel like the members of my family might travel to that game. Yeah. Right after Christmas, I, I'm down for Military Bowl versus versus I, Wake. I, I'll tell you what, if that happened, we might have to have a special appearance from uh, Dan the Man out in San Francisco. That who? Because <laughs> you know he'd love to talk about that one. Oh man, 
He he's about the only Wake Forest fan I know. He's the only diehard Wake Forest fan I know. I I, I know one other guy that I know, I, I know another diehard Wake fan, but yeah, Dan's like the only one, and it, it's crazy because he actually follow he follows them more. He's an ECU alum. He follows them more than he follows yes. Wake or follows ECU. Yes, uh, his dad I believe played football for Wake, which explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are those are the bowl game already. Out of those, so you're saying Gasparilla versus Miami? Uh, Gasparilla, but but military versus Wake Forest is definitely a strong second. I wouldn't definitely. mind. I wouldn't mind. Now, if we could play the military bowl versus Miami, I'd be down for that. Yes, that that would also be cool. That would, I, I don't mind the Fenway against Louisville. I mean, that's different. It's, it's something different. Uh, but then again, I mean, all the way up in in Boston and playing Louisville. I mean, yeah, I would I would like it as just logistic. I don't know if our fan base can really get to that one. So yeah, and that that's the thing with like, I mean, the Birmingham Bowl. It's what a 10, 11 hour drive from from Greenville. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a long ways. Yeah. Uh, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. I, I like the bowl itself, but it's just because it, I mean I was just there over the weekend. It's a three hour and forty five minute drive. I could drive down there and drive back, just like I do for for games. Yeah. So um. <laughs> Selfishly, that's why I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that that's the bowl projections uh, after what what is that week eleven? Yeah, um, getting close. Yeah, well, already the ECU basketball season has begun. ECU is two and zero. They are for sure a team that. Uh, I mean, they they started two and zero. Look. New coach, I get it, but they they are uh, some some heart attacks out there on the on the to basketball the court, to say the least. I mean, came back from what seventeen down against Mercer, and then came back against Presbyterian after being down nineteen. <laughs> I mean, to win, that's insane. Your first two games of the season, you're down by almost twenty points in each game, and you come back to win. Look, you got to. First, thir- first things first, and my- Coach uh, Mike Schwartz said this in his press conference today. We mm-hmm. need better starts from our guys. That's true, Mike. I agree. Uh, but the one thing I know, this team has fight. This team has fight. They're scrappy, and I like I like that from from my basketball team. Um, it's kind of what you have to have when you're at East Carolina. Yeah, I mean, a, a win is a win is a win. We'll take it how we can get it. But Mercer and Presbyterian. To be on the ropes with those two, eesh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have some stronger showings than that. So that's all I'll say. For sure. Well, Artie, we got some uh, we got some Twitter questions. Uh, first up from Chance Scott. Uh, he he says the hit looked dirty in person. How did it look on TV? Also, I'm still on firing. I'm on the firing DK train. How much longer do we have to see one yard <laughs> drag routes? On third and ten, before he has, before he's fired, uh, chance. Yeah, I, I talked about that earlier. I, I'm tired of seeing some of the play calling on Donnie Kirkpatrick. I, he, he's Mike's guy. I, I don't know. I don't know if he gives up on him yet. I don't know. Maybe, and especially with with a first year starter quarterback next year. Um, I, I don't know if you want to make that switch. When you when you finally had some uh, you you finally had some continuity 
at the coordinator position and you you've got this quarterback this highly touted quarterback coming up in the system uh that has learned this system and played practiced in the system for what three years now um so yeah I, i'm not i'm not entirely sure on that and the, yeah the the hit looked dirty all always around he's talking about the hit on keaton mitchell the targeting call yeah. on keaton mitchell I mean, there, I was sitting in a bar watching the game in Myrtle Beach uh, Friday night, and there, actually, I want to give a shout out. I met three ECU fans in this bar from nice. New Bern. Uh, we just happened to be in the same bar watching the Small same world. game, and one of the guys, I, I think he had, he was a little bit too intoxicated, which I mean, there, that's not there's no such thing, right? Um, but. He was like, "Oh, that's not a targeting. That's just a hard football hit." And I was like, "Man, that that's textbook targeting." Um, led with the crown on the helmet. It it looked dirty. It looked malicious. Look, uh, he wasn't surprised when he got the flag thrown. He he flexed over Keaton Mitchell like I don't know. You, that that's there. There's playing hard nosed football, and then there's that 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 looked dirty. Yeah, I mean. And and I, I, as a former football player, I like to give guys the benefit of the doubt because I I, I know what that feels like that that in game action. You want to you want to pop pads. You want to hit somebody. I mean, if you don't if you don't have a desire to hit somebody, hit somebody really hard, you have no business being on a football field. It's just that's just what it is. Sorry. If you want to if you want to pussyfoot around, go play another sport. Play tennis. But in football, you got to make big hits. It didn't look that malicious to me, but it was clearly targeting. It should have yeah. been a targeting call. It should have been called. That's textbook targeting. Probably the helmet, helmet to helmet contact. That is a targeting. That that that's what that's what we're trying to take out of the game of football. Nonetheless, you have to make that sport as safe as you possibly can. And so I, I definitely understand. You know, I understand the player's perspective. I understand the safety point. It should have been a targeting call. It should have been called. I don't personally think it was that malicious because I've seen though I've seen that happen. That happens every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Every yeah. week, every single week. And it's going to happen this week. And it's going to happen the week after that. It's going to happen. So to me, it's like, it, I, I feel like it's in the speed of the game. Um, and wanting to hit somebody hard in football is just a normal thing to do anyway. But that that, that was targeting, clearly. Now, let me tell you this. That play doesn't happen. Keenan Mitchell stays in the game. ECU wins that ball game. Probably. Yeah. 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 Um. All right, PD asks, has anyone pressed the conference on why their officials always suck? What is being done? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, on behalf of the Boneyard podcast, and I asked them, hey, what, what's the review process? What is – what happens? Does a team submit footage and say, hey, can you look at this play? Why wasn't this called? And – I got no response. Yeah. So take that for what you want. I mean, that that is usually there's some kind of review process, but I, I don't know what was done here. Um, I have a source that has told me that ECU submitted several plays to the conference that questioning why wasn't a flag thrown on this play Mm-hmm. And questioning some of the officiating. Um, so yeah, I that that's all I know. So I'm sure ECU is pressing the the conference. We've pressed the conference to to ask, like, what's the process? Um, but 
yeah, that that's that's it. Um, but that that's all the Twitter questions. We got a bunch of uh, Cincinnati fans in our mentions trying to troll, but they can go fuck themselves, honestly. Um, so yeah, fuck y'all. <laughs> yeah, and then Artie, do you have a walk the plank? I mean, yeah, I mean, outside outside of the Cincinnati people, you know, you know, doing doing their thing in our, in our mentions. We mentioned this uh, during the break before the interview. You know, ECU is what 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 they are. Our fan base is what they are. You don't when mess with win, us. When we win football games, we're going to tell you to go fuck yourself. And yep. when we lose football games, we're going to tell we're you to tell go you fuck. to go fuck yourself. That's just who we are. That's what we are. That's what we've always been. We're not hiding from nobody. We're not ducking nobody. We're not. We're not. We're not brand new. ECU fans are not acting brand new. That's what we've always been. That's what we always will be. So we, to anybody we, in their feelings, you have come out the woodworks out of nowhere because ECU has always been this way, and we always will be this way. So it is where it is. We're, we're a hard nosed fan base that we're gonna when you're when you're there, we're gonna treat you with respect. Yes, the, the 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 tailgate, the the pregame, you can show up to anybody's tailgate, get a, get a cold beer and a plate, and have a great time. But, but during the game and the aftermath of that, <laughs> you, you come at us though. If you come at us, you better come correct. Yeah, because look, all right, yeah. I mean, we both have the same one then. The Cincinnati media, Bearcat Journal, which I have a, I have messages. We have messages from Cincinnati fans saying. This guy is a douchebag. We agree. We agree. Um, <laughs> saying, look, like, the, here, here's the message. I'm, I'm going to read this guy's message. I told him I would, he wants to be anonymous. I'm going to keep him anonymous. He says, please keep anonymous as I don't want to get involved. But don't listen to the Bearcat Journal. The guy who runs that is a clown and makes us all look bad. He's good at what he does as far as insider info and reporting. But he doesn't speak for the fans. Signed a Bearcats fan. I responded, I responded, it's anonymous. We won't out you, LOL. He wants to talk shit but can't handle when we talk back. He goes, exactly. He talks the most shit but can't take it. He does it all the time to every fan base at least a couple times a month. I log on to Twitter, and I see he's in a feud with some team that the majority of Bearcat fans have zero problem with. Look, I have no problem with Bearcat fans. Bearcat fans, I don't... First off, I've never really met any Bearcat fans other than Brandon from the Go Bearcats uh, podcast. Look, Artie, I have no problem with Cincinnati fans. But you come on here and you start talking about if you're if you're media and we're media technically, but we're not the same kind of media. We're not your buttoned up media. We're going to we're going to do our jobs. We're going to be professional about it for the most part. But when we want to call you on your shit, we're going to call you on your shit. And that's what we did. And look, they were saying, oh, that what like ECU fans are bitching about the game. Yeah, we're bitching about the game because we beat your ass. We you you pulled you talked about the stats earlier, outgained you, held the ball more than you. Right. Time of possession. We, like, we outplayed them in every facet. We outplayed you in every facet outside of special teams. And for that to come down to a couple of missed calls, we're not. I'm not saying that the missed calls are what 100% killed ECU in the game because mm-hmm. it's not. But they help keep the momentum on Cincy on Cincy's sideline. Yeah, and and that that's the thing. Oh, not to mention the two point conversion that ECU scored. 
yeah. that wasn't even like reviewed looked like a catch to me. Um, but yeah, he, he's talking about all oh, ECU fans are bitching. They're always bitching. All right. If you're going to talk about ECU fans like that, look, I'm an ECU fan first and foremost before, I, before if, if, if they want to take my credentials away, do it. I don't care. I'm an ECU fan first and foremost. I care about this fan base. I care about this program. I care about this university more than, more than I'd like to admit sometimes. And you come at us. I've got a platform where I can come back at you and, and talk my shit and give you a piece of my mind. But guess what? I gave you a platform just like I gave UCF and they media. Decide, and they didn't decide to show up. I gave UCF media the same platform to come on and have a discussion. I said I would come on their show too to have that same discussion. Right. We could run it back. I don't care. We'll do it. I, I gave an open invitation, and they didn't take it. They said, we have better things to do. Okay, that's fine. You think you're, you think you're that big. Nobody gives a shit about you, and especially when you go to the Big 12, and you go – when you go four and eight in the Big 12 next year, guess what? Nobody's going to give a damn about you, Cincy. Fuck your shit, Jay. Nobody's going to give a shit about you. <laughs> Sorry about it. Nobody cared about you before last year either. Like, honestly, before I went to college, I didn't even know there was a university of Cincy. To be, on, to be completely honest. No, with you me. did. I did you not. Did. I knew about Xavier, though. I knew about Xavier. And that's you didn't know about Cincinnati? No. What was there to know? Oh, well, look, Brian Kelly did used to coach there, and they were a really good football team back in the day when Brian Kelly yeah, but, was there, too. But they've, they've, never been, they've never been relevant before last year. They've never been 100% relevant. And then this goes back to the conference. You would think that the American Athletic Conference would say, hey, 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 this team is leaving. This is one of our up-and-coming programs they're playing. They, this program has a chance to end their long winning streak at home. Maybe, maybe we'll help out the, the team coming in to kick the team leaving out. <laughs> That's what we're complaining about, don't yeah. you? We're complaining you think, about them. We're complaining about them giving. But you, you would think you would out. think that the American Athletic Conference would be smart enough to know to give where us their bread is. Yeah, to help us to help us win. But but no, they're they're after the money, and exactly. they want they want a UCF and Cincinnati matchup in the conference championship game. Look, they're they're, they're trying to milk it. They're trying to milk it for as long as they can. I get it. They don't, I, they I get don't it. believe that programs like East Carolina or Tulane or SMU can carry the, or Memphis can carry the flag. They don't, they just don't believe that these programs can carry the flag. Well, SMU's it's looking like they're on their way out too. SMU's no. trying to go to the Pac-12. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to love it next year when a school like. I, I, I will say this though, and this is a debate for it for another time, but the American is going to be dead in a few years. We gotta, we gotta, we, we gotta, gotta get out of this damn conference. We gotta get out this conference. We have to abuse it, this conference for a few years. We have, we have to beat up everybody and abuse it, and then we gotta get the fuck out. We need, we need to take their lunch money. Every, every program in this conference, we need to take their lunch money and run. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, Artemis Brower is not going to bat for the American. We need to get the hell up out. This no, conference. no, Mike Oresco, you're no longer a friend of the podcast. If you want to come back, if Mike Oresco wants to come on the podcast and talk about American Athletic Conference officiating, he's more than welcome to. But I'm not going to call him a friend of the podcast until he does. 
Until he faces the music, I'm not going to call him a friend of the podcast. <laughs> He's no longer a friend of the podcast. Oh, man. I love it. Sorry. But since he be better. Also, last week when I was talking about the Skyline Chili, after seeing that picture that Go Bearcats posted and tweeted at us, that shit looks like dog shit. I don't care. <laughs> okay, can I be honest, though? Those those conies did look good, though. Shut the hell up, Artie. Those conies look good. Jared, stop playing with me. You know you eat one of those conies. Stop playing with me. All right, Artie. <laughs> Let, let's get out of here. My food's upstairs, and I'm hungry. Um, betting lines this week. Uh, there's not many games, really. No. This is when This is when – the SEC plays their homecoming games and right. schedules weak opponents. Same thing for the ACC. Also, real quick, going back on the walk the plank, NC State walked the damn plank. He lost to Boston College. Boston College. Uh, betting lines, USC, Southern California, at UCLA. Yeah. Uh, over under fans that are in attendance already for this top 15 matchup. I'm gonna say fifteen thousand. And they're they're playing what the Rose Bowl. UCLA plays in the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah. They get they get. You know, I'm I'm gonna say they get about twenty twenty five thousand. You think they get twenty two? And I, I think most of them are USC fans. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be twenty thousand USC fans to like five thousand UCLA fans. Yeah, uh, USC is a two and a half point favorite at UCLA. The over under seventy five and a half. Um, give me. I think UCLA wins this game. Wow. Yeah, I to me, USC has the better quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think Caleb Williams is going to do his thing. I think SC is going to go in there and win this game. And then again, like you said, I mean, UCLA has no home field advantage. It's going to be a home game for USC. It's, it's going to be a home game for the Trojans. I, I just see this as like – this is – the thing about the Pac-12 is they cannibalize themselves every, each and every year. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. Oregon plays Utah this week. I mean, <laughs> all, all these all these Pac-12 games kind of feel like consolation prizes at this point. Yeah, no, nobody's, nobody cares because nothing matters in the Pac-12. Yeah, nobody's playing. Nobody's playing for a playoff spot. You know, you're just kind of playing for for the Rose Bowl. The winner of the Pac-12 goes to the Rose Bowl, so that's kind of all they're playing for. Right, right. So. All right, number one, Georgia is a 22 and a half point favorite on the road at number 24, Kentucky. Over-under is 49 and a half. I'm taking the under, but I think that Kentucky keeps it within 22 and a half. I don't think they win, but I think they cover. I I agree. I'll take the under. I do think Kentucky covers. Um, but George, I think George is going to win this football game by three touchdowns. Like, I think they win by 21. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. I think they win by 21. I, I was thinking 17, but yeah, I'll take that. Um, and then finally, the game of the week, the Cougars. Dana Holgerson. If you remember, Artie. Uh, back in the day, Dana Holgerson once said that programs like East Carolina are programs that were keeping his program at West Virginia from eating or feeding their players. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dana, we remember. We never forget. Um, ECU is a six-point favorite at home on senior night, senior yeah. day, over under 67 and a half. Take the over and run. Take the over and run. I am telling you. This is going to be a shootout. This is going to be one of those games that I, I think it's – we're probably looking at a over-under that I would have probably set in the 80s, possibly the 90s. What's, what's the over-under again? 67 and a half. 
67 and a half. Okay. Two high-powered offenses, defenses that have struggled in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm taking the over. Give me the under. What? Give me the under. I, you... I, because we have a much better defense in Houston. We have a much better defense in Houston. I don't see our defense giving up like 20 points a half. Like we might we might give them three touchdowns, but I don't see them scoring no more than three to four touchdowns. I, I just don't see it. I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I mean, we have a much better defense than they do. I, I think it's it's a it's a it's a it's a consistent game. I think both offenses will be able to move up and down the field consistently. But as far as scoring a lot of touchdowns to have that over 67 and a half, I don't, I, for some reason, I, I think I'm going to take the under on this. I just, I, I really do. I, I think offenses are going to play great, but I think our defense is going to show up when they need to, because we have a better defense than they do. I think it's senior night. This is the last time you will ever see Holton Aylers play in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. It's the last time you'll ever see a few of these guys play in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Uh, uh, until the Panthers move to Greenville. <laughs> <laughs> Until the Panthers move to Greenville, so no, I, I just I think I think what's at stake. Um, yeah, I, for some reason I don't I don't see. I, I, yeah, I don't want to take the over on this. I think it's I think it's going to be a little a little closer than what. It's not going to be seventy seven sixty three. No, no. I, 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 I think it's going to be. I would say this game's going to could very well be like a 40, 45 to thirty five game. Like I think it's a I think it's a 31-21, 31-24 type of ball game. I just I don't see that. Maybe even a 31-27. I, and that's 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 both offenses doing pretty well. Honestly. I just uh, don't think it's gonna be a 45 to 42 uh, ball. I think game. all right. Enough already. I think ECU beats them by at least 10. Yes, e- ECU wins. And and 31-21. That's what I'm saying. ECU wins. ECU wins. Uh, the only game already ECU's given up more than, to your point, more than 20 points or more than, like, points in the 20s was the Memphis game that went to four overtimes. And it wasn't yeah. – it wasn't – I think that game – Like, our, 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 defense is, our, our defense hasn't shown me anything that leads me to believe that they're going to give up 30-plus or 40-plus points. I don't see it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Artie, that's all I got. I need to go eat. Any Anything else that you have? Oh, I do want to say uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to UVA, the the yes. football team, the family, friends of, of the three players that were uh, sense, senselessly uh, murdered on, on Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, coming home from a, from a field trip. Um, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. It, it's, I can't fathom what that university and what that team is going through. They're supposed, they, they have a game on the schedule for Saturday. That doesn't matter, but it's sad to see what has gone on there. And what, what is, I mean, the, I don't know. I, I feel for everybody. It, yeah, it yeah. sucks when I when I saw that news, it 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 honestly it it just broke my heart because it's it's one of those things that you don't want anybody to ever have to experience. Yeah, I mean Charlottesville has 
dealt with a lot over the last few years and then now I have to having to deal with this. Um, I just, you know, prayers go out to that community. I hope everybody in the country is praying for that community. They, they definitely need prayers and they need people to pay attention and, and, and just help in any way they can. Um, just absurd to, to hear that news and to hear why it happened and how it happened and, and you know, losing those three players. I know two other people were shot as well. Uh, so we're, we're, we're praying for a speedy recovery for them, but uh, heartbreaking news out of, out, of, out of Charlottesville. For sure. Um, and on that note, Artie, let's uh, let's wrap it up and and send this thing on to, into the weekend. Let's sing ECU Victor this weekend, folks. Get your for ass sure. up, Dowdy. Beat yeah, Pack Dowdy. Do whatever you do, Pack Dowdy. If you're not there, you're you're a fraud, and um, you, you should find a way to be in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium uh, this Saturday to support the the seniors that have really done a lot to turn this program around. Yeah. So, yep, Pack Dowdy, and uh, yeah, that's all I got. Deuce.